What up? Hello. Um, welcome back to Insecure the Podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Beck. And if you listen to this in chronological order, this should be episode like number nine. And to be fully transparent, I probably need to apologize about episode eight because as I record this, I haven't listened to it since I recorded it, the previous episode. And I feel as though it was sporadic. I feel as though it was manic. I feel as though it was very Kanye West-esque, which ironically enough, uh, I used his music in that podcast and maybe that motivated me to kind of just go off the hinges a little bit. Uh, something about that episode, from what I remember when I recorded it, felt a little different. So my bad, y'all, but hey, mental health, mental wealth, I don't have either. Um, speaking of not having either, uh, I genuinely have no idea what I want to talk about today, but like I've been so moved. Every time I have a moment, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to record that, and then of course I don't get my ass up and record in that moment. But I found some time today because I was very supercharged this morning via Twitter, and I was like, I'm going to podcast about that. Okay, so this, what I mean by this, oh, also look at me trying to do some editing. I just stopped it there because based on the way the episode goes on, there's an intro that I really want to use to kind of just showcase what I want to talk about. But when I say this in this episode, at the core of it, I'm talking about representation. I'm talking about how we still are in a place where shows and TV and media and advertising gets to determine what amount of blackness or what part of blackness we as black consumers are even allowed to consume. And um, I, I apologized on this episode earlier for the Kanye episode. And now that it's aired, it's actually fucking amazing. So if you have not listened to episode eight, I should have listened to Kanye, go listen to Kanye, because I think I did such a, I am my biggest fan. And I know you all are becoming my biggest fan. So let's fangirl together. Listen to episode eight. But I'm not going to apologize for eight. But now that I've I vividly remember what you're about to hear on the rest of this episode. It was a very emotionally charged. It was coming from a place of hurt. It was coming from a place of just continuously woke being woke, which is something I'm going to address in a second. It's coming from a place of hunger and thirst and a need to see myself in a positive light. And spoiler alert, this episode is about a show that Hulu canceled entitled uh, High Fidelity, which is a it was a Hulu adaptation of a movie High Fidelity starring Zoe Kravitz whose mom starred in the original movie but this is not about them this is about a breakout standout character in the show her name is Sharice and I want to kind of start this episode by first acknowledging that my my anger and my hurt this episode air I recorded this episode and then 12 hours later I got the devastating news that Chadwick Boseman passed away and it just brought it and I'm tearing up now, it brought it all back that representation matters. And there's so few positive representations of black and brown and queer bodies out there that while for some people, what I'm going to talk about is arbitrary and so random. But for me, it's it just it just one of the last nails I have left in this coffin of white culture and how we need to cancel that shit. Uh, but so I'm going to insert just a clip of the show where this is like Sharice's breakout standout. Um, just a moment where I'm just in love with her because I've had these conversations, not this conversation, because this is a topic that I don't want no parts of, but I've been the voice of reason. And regardless of how it plays out, I just wanted to give you a sample of the greatness that was her character because she didn't get a lot of those moments. And then I'm going to get you back into the episode. And then I'm going to do an amazing thing of ending it with some of her singing, like the actual person, her name is divine. The actual lady who's an icon in the making, um, her singing, which is something that was also phenomenal in the show that didn't get a lot of credit. And once again, reminds me that we can be Renaissance women, we can be comedians, we can be singers, we can be all these things. But somehow, somewhere, someone in the patriarchy, somewhere in the world, uh, we will be deemed as not enough and we get canceled. So this episode is dedicated to all of you who don't see themselves, but all of you who know that you have a self that's worth seeing. All right, let's get back into the episode. Hey, what's what's going on? This person who clearly never been on the internet is trying to buy a fucking michael jackson album for her boyfriend 
Sebastian. It's his birthday. Which album? Which album? Off the wall. Do you guys have it? <sighs> yeah, we have it. We do. Um. <sighs> I'm very sorry, but I don't think I can sell that to you. Oh. Okay. Ah, fucking orange nuts. I'm working day and night. All right, all right, yeah, fuck it, fuck it, let's do it. Okay, great. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. So this man gets a pass for horn charts. I'll give a pass to anyone who's scaled Mount Olympus, Charisse. They were Quincy's charts anyway. Exactly. How does it benefit society to hold Quincy's genius hostage just because the dude that sang over his shit ended up being a full-blown child molester? Allegedly. Whoa. Where'd you get that from, Rob? Huh? From fucking, fucking convenient opinions are us. Okay, you still listen to a dude who raps in a MAGA hat, so. Are you <laughs> fucking serious? Having shitty politics and a second grade understanding of American history is a tiny bit different than being a goddamn child molester. Allegedly. Jesus. Kanye West has a mental health issue. You don't think Michael Jackson had a fucking mental health issue? Okay, cool. Great, great, great. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pop on some Charles Manson and we can all just vibe out to that. Does that sound cool for you? Charles Manson made music. Why? Would you like to buy that for your boyfriend too? It's actually oddly good. It is. You know what, Simon? But Sharice, what if... The only artists that we were allowed to listen to were inarguably nice people, right? With, with unassailably perfect ethics. We'd have to destroy every record in existence except for Bono. Phil Collins. Michael Stipe. Sufjan Stevens. Hey, can you guys sell me the records? How does that work here? <laughs> you guys figured this out. See you, Lewis. Yo, you guys should just shoot for it. Fine, fine. Come over here. Rocks, paper, scissors, and... And as I sit here, and I still try to, like, go back to outlining episodes because I hate that, I'm wondering where my anger with this Twitter rant that I just went on actually fits in this podcast. But I'm just going to get it out because I tried to avoid it because I didn't think it would fit into the zhuzh of my Insequeer podcast. But like none of my episodes bleed into each other except Home is Where the Hurt is like consistently. Um, So I think I'm going to talk about my frustration with a cancellation of a show that I am a huge fan of and kind of the deeper connections of what it means for me as Chloe. So, uh, during, like at the height, at the beginning, around March of 2020, I, I went on this trip to Philadelphia with my girlfriend and there was not a whole lot going on in Philly pre COVID on this particular weekend, but it was literally the last trip we took before COVID kind of smacked us. Um, and since there was not a whole lot actually happening in Philly, like it wasn't Pride, it wasn't, it was just a random weekend. We did not feel bad for staying in our Airbnb and watching TV, like watching Hulu, if you will. And just so happened, like my girlfriend was taking a nap, I believe, and I stumbled across this show called High Fidelity, right? And High Fidelity stars uh, Zoe Kravitz and a bunch of, when I say ensemble cast, like, I finally know what that word means, ensemble cast, but it was uh, Zoe Kravitz, Thomas Doherty, Jake Lacey, Divine Joy Randolph, my bad bitch, um, Rainbow Sun Franks, David H. Holmes, a bunch of people like Kingsley, Ben Adair, like, all those names really don't mean much to me, but like, I... I'm obsessed with all things Zoe Kravitz because we're going to get into my colorism and my dating life later. But it didn't take much for me to click play. Uh, Like I'm not overtly team Hulu, but sometimes they have winners. Like there's a show Rami, which we're going to table that because I'm probably going to loop that back into this podcast later. Um, But like Hulu is one of those things that I go through or to when like there's a specific TV show that I just missed too many episodes. I'm just going to wait or Netflix has just driven me nuts with too many options. So then I like ease over into Hulu. But Hulu has never been my main streaming source. Uh, But I say that to say like the minute I I think I saw a billboard or preview, something like very casual about High Fidelity starring Zoe Kravitz. And I was like, table it, going to watch it. No problem. So fast forward to me watching it and 
immediately. Episode one, the beginning credits. I am fucking hooked. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. High Fidelity, ironically enough, is, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's really this odd reimagining of a movie that Zoe Kravitz's mom, uh, Lisa Bonet, who's every, well, I can't say every, but she was definitely one of my crushes from the Cosby show, A Different World Era. Um, Denise Huxtable did a movie of the same title, High Fidelity. And this is like a Hulu reimagined series version, Lightly-esque, fact check me, of that. So the story is literally about this girl, Rob, who owns a fucking record store in Brooklyn, who it opens up with her going through a breakup and it's dark and it's funny and it's witty and it it plays on music in a way that I just love. And it's her being this angsty, racially ambiguous, punk rock, but deep woke girl who owns this record studio, record studio, who owns this record shop and has just had her heart broken. And it kind of just picks up from there and it, it, it allows her to chronicle five of her like biggest breakups. It allows her to chronicle, um, just what it means to be her. And it's a rom-com, if you will. But um, one season in, and I, I just was so thirsty for season two. And I don't want to give a lot of it away because I want, honestly, I want you guys to watch it so then you can be pissed like I am currently pissed as I sit here. Um, so... I say that to say that she has two friends that are who work at her record store. Like this girl, Sharice, who's this boisterous, black, plus size, woke, Brooklyn, like just dapper Dan aesthetic. Like I won't say hood girl, but hood adjacent. Like she's culture. Like she preserves hip hop culture but like we don't we don't pigeonhole her there because she is eclectic and her music sense is unfucking believable but she has this energy that is just so big and while the show starts out being about Rob like something about Sharice is always like hmm I want to know more mm, I want to know more mm, I fucking want to know more and then as the show goes on it gives uh it kind of does this cool, like talking to the camera thing where like Rob, she tells you about her five heartbreaks. She tells you about all the shit while she's actually living her life and it'll cut screen. And then Sharice and I forget the other guy's name. I think his name was Simon in the show. Um, he is this gay white guy who also works there. And he's like the, the yin and yang of, I would say him and Sharice are like the yin and yang of Rob, uh, Robin, which is Zoe's character. And you get to go through the five heartbreaks of Rob, one of which is actually Simon. And that kind of tells you how they become friends. And like, she was in love with him. He was in love with her. Boop, he's gay. Plot twist. And then it allows you to step into his life a little bit. And you can kind of see his relationships. And this whole time, Sharice is just there. Like, she's there dropping uh, knowledgeable, cultural, music-based gems. She's there pretty much begging and asking Rob to like think about her and give her some like space, like let her be seen. And um, the way she does that is uh, circled around the fact that Sharice is a musician. Uh, she's a singer and she's trying to find her band or a partner or someone to kind of do this music thing with her. Um, and like they have this, of course, it's a record store. So they have this wall of flyers where you can kind of put up lost cat looking for a roommate. Boom, boom, boom. And Cherie, like Cherise is the epitome of confident and cool. And like, yo, when you going to put some respect on my name and Rob's whole thing is like, I can't put respect on your name because you haven't created anything. Right. But Cherise is a down bitch. She's down for Rob. She rides for Rob. Rob is her girl. She cares like. 
it's just it's so evident that like there's so much more to Sharice, but like she's not given the spotlight, right? She's not given this place to just showcase all there is of her. She knows she's great. I secretly think that Robin, while very self-centered, Rob finds out eventually that she's great. Um, and it kind of chronicles how while Rob was so engulfed in her bullshit that she wasn't always the best friend. But of course, Rob makes up for it in a very sweet way, which I won't give away. But there are poignant moments where I, while just like me, Cherise is seemingly sexually ambiguous. Like you can't place it. Like you think she might like guys, but if she likes girls, you're like, I could also see it. But she also just gives off one of these caricature mammy like vibes where like her sexuality is not written. It's not important. It's not what her role is. She's there to be the loud comedy woke sidekick, right? She's there to like chase down kids who steal records. She's there to remind Robin that she's a bad bitch. She's there to bring comedy and humor and social wokeness. Like there's this episode or this moment in one of the episodes where this lady comes to buy her boyfriend an album. And of course she's looking for Michael Jackson off the wall. And Sharice, who's a black woman who clearly is a Michael Jackson fan, who clearly like loves music. She was the one who like, they kind of go through this thing of like her and Simon were like, should we sell it? Should we not sell it? And it was Sharice who was like, uh, fuck what you heard. Why are we selling this pedophiles music? Like she really leaned into just being woke and honest. So she plays a very, so savory role, but the whole time it's, it's almost, it's almost uncomfortable for me to watch because when I see Sharice, I see my fucking self. I see myself so much and I'm just, I am her in this episode. I am her on this series. I am her saying to the world, don't y'all see I'm already the shit. Just give me a chance. Like, look at me, pick me, choose me, like play me. Like don't play me. Cause y'all niggas stay playing me. But like, Sharice's character is just so and then the way they set up the show like it's only a matter of time before Sharice gets her chance to do her break the third wall and talk directly to the camera and tell you about her life because they let Simon do it they let Rob do it um I even suspect they're probably gonna let Rob's main love interest do it who's the guy who broke her heart first which makes her not broke her heart first chronologically but first the first heartbreak that we get to see which is like some guy she was with through like her brother's best friend and he goes they break up a year later and like a year later he comes back and now he's dating someone and then there's this Rob angst surrounding that so like I even suspect that he was gonna get a chance to like tell you about his top five right like ooh, the five heartbreaks of his life but Season one ends with Rob finally acknowledging that Sharice is trying to show the world that Sharice is more than just this boisterous, for lack of better terms, caricature sidekick. There is more to Sharice. Sharice has a story and we cannot fucking wait, right? Um, so two two. One moment that I really want to highlight uh, to kind of drive home the struggle that Sharice endured in this season is when I talked about that big board on the wall where people could put up looking for roommates, looking for sex partners, whatever the fuck you put on a wall these days. I don't fucking know. Um, she wrote this ad like looking for like a drummer or like just looking for a band like to put together a band and she kind of talked about who she was and like what her vibe was and like the first one she put up um robin and simon kind of help her like reimagine it because they're like you're not you're overselling it slash underselling it slash it's too confusing so like like you actually like i don't remember if you see her actually rewrite it but of course she rewrites it and she rewrites it in a way that finally starts to get attention, right? So like somebody, like she, she just literally, like you see her watching the board. You see her watch people engage. Excuse me, I'm drinking water for once. You see people watch her engage with her ad and she's so hopeful, like, ooh, this person might say, ooh, who is this person? I would like to know them. And with the first one she put up, it doesn't, it doesn't quite rock. It doesn't happen. People don't even notice it. And then the second one, 
there's this guy, like this guy looks at it and he, you can like, she like, it's like school girl. Like it's almost like one of those, do you like me circle? Yes or no moments. Cause she's literally, she's thumbing through the records, but she's watching him read up about her and he buys it. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she kind of turns away because, oh shit, this is the moment where somebody's going to want to work with me. So she tries to play it cool. And then I think he asks Simon, someone else, like, hey, who is this Sharice person? And he points to Sharice. And then they do this shitty thing where, like, from the guy's gaze, he kind of scans her up and down. And, like, she's got her hair braided to the back. Like, she's wearing, like, like I said, some 90s Carl Kanai, like, Dapper Dan, FUBU-esque ensemble, if I'm not mistaken. She's wearing something urban. And of course, she's a larger black woman. He kind of stares it up and down and he walks out. And like, you see her heart break, right? You see that shit shatter. And then like for the rest of the season, like she kind of just dissipates into the, the background. But like the whole time they're hooking you, like there's more, there's more, there's more. Um, there's even a moment where you see her kind of thinking like her wheels are turning that there's these two punk rock kids. Like, like I told you, she chased them down because they stole records that Rob ultimately let them borrow, which made her upset. Cause she's like, Hey, you, why are you giving them freebies and X, Y, Z, but you're not, she's not that she wanted freebies, but she's like, you're putting your support with these nobodies, but here I am your girl that you're not supporting. But there's also this sweet moment where you see her thinking like her wheels are turning, like, Hey, what if I partnered with these two kids? Like, what if I, what if I fucked up and became their front person? Like you see her, her wheels turning. And then you think about this, this moment where Rob realized she's a shitty friend. Like she's been a shitty friend. And I think it was Simon who told Rob like, Hey, Sharice is literally saving money to get a guitar. She has a dream guitar. She talks about it all the time. Like this guitar, this guitar, this guitar. And then the season ends with, I don't know if Sharice quit working there, but some some drama happened between the two of them where, oh, I get it. Rob was going out with other people. Like she was out with somebody else and she saw Sharice working the coat room at this bar. And that's what made her speak to not Sharice because why I go to the source, she went to Simon and was like, yo, what the fuck? And Simon's like, you know, she's been saving for this guitar. And in that moment, Rob was like, I had no fucking clue she was saving for a guitar. What guitar? Oh my God, I'm shitty. And then Rob does this amazingly beautiful thing at the end and she buys Sharice the guitar and then Sharice picks it up and she starts to, to sing and it is like tears are about to well up in my eyes because finally you get to see more than just this caricature of comedy or comic relief. You get to see the person behind the role that she's been asked to play in Rob's life specifically, but the character she's asked to play potentially in her career. Right. And I'm going to put a lot of assumption on her because I don't really know her story. I, I think this might've been her first big break, but um, from the research I've done, she's the shit and you all will know her soon. And uh, enough said there, divine joy Randolph divine D a hyphen Asterix, I don't fucking know. Vine, B-I-N-E, Joy Randolph. Look her up. Look her up. Also look up High Fidelity and watch it. It's a, it's a must-see. It's good. It's good no matter what your race is. It's good no matter what your sexuality is. It's good if you're feeling like an angsty fuck in life. Like, it is good. It's high-quality television. So, now I'm in love. I'm like, ooh, bitch. So my fear with the show is like, okay, the season ended. I, I ate it. I overdosed on it. And then we get into COVID and I'm like, fuck, I wish I wouldn't have ate it so fast. And I was like, ugh, on top of COVID, you well, know, on top of me just eating through the season so fast, COVID is here. So like, they're probably not even allowed to film. Like how long before we see season two? How long before season two? How long before season two? And then, <laughs> and fucking then. Like, I follow Zoe on Instagram because, like I said, I'm obsessed with her. I think she's just, I want to know her. And then, like, I totally fell in love with her as Rob because I do believe that she brought a lot of herself to Rob. Or, like, Rob is not so polar of who Zoe Kravitz probably is in real life. So, 
I remember she posted something like breakups suck and it was like a a picture from the show. And I was like, yes, bitch, breakups suck because duh, the whole show is about breakups. I'm thinking she's just throwback Thursday and reminiscing, bing, bang, boom. So I like it and I go on about my fucking day. And then maybe a day or two later, I'm on <laughs> Twitter. Now, this was a few months ago, guys. Like, I've been pissed for months. I've been pissed for fucking months. But somebody posted something today and they brought it all back. At 7 a.m. on a Friday, I was livid, okay? So then she, like, uh, she said, you know, she posted something to the effect of, like, yeah, it's cool, Hulu. Good thing we have all these other women of color lead shows to watch. And then I go through a deep dive, and then it's, like, um, Questlove is, like, yo, what the fuck? And she's, like, yo. Like, so basically you find out that they have canceled the show. High Fidelity was canceled after one season. A show that launched right before COVID took over. A show that I do not recall a lot of Hulu bells and whistles for outside of it being the first thing you see when you log into Hulu. But like, it didn't have the... A for it to be Zoe Kravitz because she is not just Lenny Kravitz's daughter, not just Lisa Bonet's daughter. She's her own fucking person, fashion icon. Was on that... Was it... uh, Big Lies, Pretty, some shit. She was on some show. She is her own person and actually a name that I think would garner a little bit of a red carpet rollout. But Hulu didn't do that. But so many of us still found it. Like, we found the show. I found the show. Like, I wasn't looking for it. I found it. Um, But they canceled it. And I, I have yet to read, see, hear anything from hulu it's all been from the mouth of zoe saying it fucking sucks it fucking sucks it fucking sucks and like i'm it sucks it actually does suck that the show is canceled because i think the show had potential i think the show had longevity i think the ways in which the writers wrote or the ways in which so many things were left open and there was so much growth there was growth there was growth because it could have gone from romantic breakups to friendship breakups it could have gone it could have gone to like okay now i'm dating this guy do i pick that guy like they gave rob so many avenues to to just keep going but they also have other cast members who clearly have a story and ironically enough the only person who didn't even get to touch the tip of their story was Sharice. Um, so my anger today is because I think it was Vulture or one of those magazines. I'll actually go back to Twitter right now because when I tell you I went off. Um, side note, if you're not following my personal Twitter, I think you should. It's at Zora Knows, K-N-O-W-S, like Zora Neale Hurston knows. Um, I do have an Instaqueer Twitter, but like I said, I'm not doing any promo until I hit 10 episodes, but that one is at Pod at Pod. Um, and it's, it's actually a Twitter that I used to have for my previous podcast. So I just reimagined it so I could keep some followers. Um, so follow me at both of those places, but for the sake of this, I did my ranting on my personal, which is at Zora knows. And I, I really, I, I went directly there so um so vulture released an article that said uh i think one of the other castmates did an article with vulture and they they talked about the ending of high fidelity and he spoke about how this entire season this entire second season was going to literally follow sharice it was going to chronicle her top five breakups. It was going to chronicle her life. It was going to chronicle her and her band. It was going to be everything that we just wanted for her. And it triggered me. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. I'm triggered because selfishly, Sharice is me. And I tweeted it. I said, uh, well, duh, I just put my fucking phone down and I can literally just read the fucking tweet because I am special. Um, I said, one of my tweets says, 
And I want to go on record as a walk-in stereotype and say I love the entire cast, that's all caps, of High Fidelity. Because like, also all caps, Sharice, my friend group is exactly like hers. I've been that friend to those people with the leading storyline. But for once, I was going to see someone else navigate it. And that's why uh, it makes it to the podcast. Now, am I sad that the show is canceled? Yes. Am I hurt that it's canceled? Yes. Am I praying that it gets enough attention to just get a redo? Like, Chloe grew up remembering when they canceled Family Guy, and then a bunch of us idiots went out and bought every DVD, and, and it, we, we, the sales were so high on, on Family Guy merch and XYZ that they actually brought it back, and now the shit will not end. So I am that, Chloe, but I also know that it's hard to, to garner views and streams and followership if no one knows a show exists. So it's, it's kind of put me in between a place of, of the rock and the hard place because I'm telling you guys, High Fidelity is a great show. Go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. But aside from that, I'm focusing solely on Sharice. For the rest of this podcast um i want to thank zoe i want to thank the rest of the cast because without them i wouldn't be even upset because they wouldn't have existed but when i think about sharice and i think about the role that she played it's me it's me it's me it's me my entire life i've been a sharice my entire life i've been someone's friend i've been the the person that people keep around to laugh or the person who people keep around to say the thing that they're afraid to say or i've been the person who's literally been the person to just say i have a black friend or i've been the fat friend i've been the funny friend i've been i've been every fucking friend ross rachel joey chandler phoebe monica but i've never been the Rachel. I've never been the focal point. I've always been the background, surrounding, supporting, side piece friend. And just like Sharice in this show, like you didn't hear me say a whole bunch about Robin. You didn't hear me go into just how great her narrative is or her dialogue or anything about her. Now, keep in mind, it is phenomenal and I'm not downplaying it, but the breakout star of the show for me, even though I didn't always agree with her loudness or her boisterousness, because I've also been so insecure about how I show up. We talk about how I make myself small. Sharice didn't do that. Sharice was no one small. Okay. She was big and not even just in size, but in personality and in presence. And she will cuss you out and she will do it education driven. And so there were times where she rubbed me the wrong way because I was jealous of her ability to stand up and be seen and not be afraid of anyone's backlash, which I should pay attention because she really didn't get any. So maybe I should lean into that more. But I, I fell in love with Sharice in those moments I talked about. I fell in love with Sharice when I watched her feelings get hurt because someone read everything she wrote, loved everything about her on paper. But when they saw her physical body, they opted out. Or I've been the Sharice who has amazing friends, right? Just amazing people who do amazing things. But outside of being their friend, they don't really see me or know me or remember me. Um, there's been so many friend situations where even my podcast, the previous podcast, which rest in peace, fuck that shit. But that previous podcast was so good. But my core friend group, the people who ride or die for me, the people who, if I would have made that podcast be the reason why I'm the next kid, Fury and Crystal, would have took them with me, bought them Nikes. If that podcast would have been my window to success and I would have taken those same people with me along the ride, those people never listened. Nobody ever took the time. The people who I said are my friends, my friends, that's my friend, ride or die, that's my nigga. None of them listened. And then I tried to I tried to downplay it and say, oh, they don't listen because who listens to podcasts? Oh no, we listen to podcasts. Did you hear this one? Or did you listen to this one? Or what about this one? Oh no, bitch, we love podcasts. You wanna go with us to sit in front row at the read? Huh. Or 
or we fuck with you, but you be talking about gay shit. We're not gay. We can't remotely meet you there. We don't even know when pride is. Like, what is pride? Why are you proud? Like, so I've been her. And the thing that I loved about seeing her and the thing that I love about seeing myself is that even though you can align yourself with people and even call them your friends, you have a whole life outside of these people who you would do anything for. And Hulu took Hulu took that representation away from me. Hulu snatched that from me. Right? Like Hulu literally said, hey, you big, black, loud, funny bitch. We don't got time. We don't want to see your top five heartbreaks. We don't want to know anything about you. We don't even know where Sharice lives. She just shows up. She appears like fucking fat black Mary Poppins just there to, to save the day for Rob. Just show up with a beer or sit on a stoop. Or the fact, when I tell you we were about nine episodes in, however many in, we were like so deep into the show before Rob realized that Sharice had a second job and probably has had a second job. But you know why? Because Sharice shows up every day to play her role in Rob's life. I am Sharice and I'm pissed that I don't get to see her ending. I don't get to see her make it. I don't get to see her story. I don't get to see her growth. And when we talk about outlining life and we talk about how I'm trying to rewrite my chapters, not even rewrite, I'm just writing new shit, bitch, new book, new pages. But it's really hard. It's really hard to never see it, to never have an inkling of what could be next because you just, media representation is so important. Media representation is so important when you grew up the way that I grew up. When you grew up with a family who also didn't see you, didn't know you, didn't really think about you outside of making sure your Maslow's hierarchy of needs were met, but didn't really nurture your creativity, didn't nurture your, your inquisitive, didn't nurture your talent of being a fucking talker. I have a gift of gab. Bitch, I could talk to Jesus, I could talk to Lucifer, I could talk to Barack, I could talk to Trump. I am a connection. I am the plug. But if you have no one outside of you saying, hey girl, keep plugging, it's really hard to believe it all the time, right? And then when I saw Sharice dancing on that stage, like she comes in, her first, the first introduction to her is my bitch dancing through the aisles, Cranking music, bringing the heat, bringing the joy, bringing the laughter, just taking a show that had a dark, like I will say High Fidelity gives you Daria vibes instantly. Heartbreak, Daria, angsty, woe is me, my life sucks, even though looking at it, her life is pretty easy because she had no problem fronting the money to get Sharice this beautiful guitar. Also, circa 2020, how are you owning a record store having a beautiful, her apartment is so fucking beautiful. Like, it shows that she has access and wealth. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know how many record stores are just successful and cranking out what they crank out. Like, I don't know how many people are breaking their neck to run and go buy a Michael Jackson off the wall vinyl. You know what I mean? But like, you don't, outside of Rob's literal relationship struggle, you don't really feel like she has much of another struggle. You know, and I'm not saying relationship shit is not hard because bitch been there, done that. But try having relationship shit on top of having African-American, dark-skinned, fat shit. Okay? On top of having friends who don't have nearly as much shit as you, but you play the fucking banjo, the, the violin. You play down the Titanic every night with them for their shit. And then you go home and still have to fucking do a monologue of your own shit. So, oh, I'm so angry. But I fell in love with her because I saw... How while she's on in everybody else's life, she also hurts. She also has shit. She also is a person. And then you have to take it, remove the show. Now we got to get back into real life. Hulu. That was classes. That was racist. That was colorism. That was sexist. That was... Why can't we have a black story and it not be wrapped in drugs, not be wrapped in abuse, not be wrapped in poverty? Why did you deprive us from seeing a black woman who does not look conventionally, air quotes, attractive, 
Why didn't she get her time to shine? Why? It can't be ratings. Like there's a million and ten fucking shows, documentaries, things on Hulu that no one watches, but they crank out season after season after season. Like thanks to code, I've done such a Hulu deep dive. I found so many shows that I'm like, who the fuck is watching this? And how are they on season seven? When High Fidelity was riveting, you hear me? High Fidelity was historic. High Fidelity was for the culture and not just black culture. High Fidelity chronicled music that I would have never even listened to or music that I knew. And I'm like, I would not anticipate this song to show up there. High Fidelity just worked. And it's gone. And without even a, not even the care to say, why did I have to find out from Zoe Kravitz? Why is it Hulu dropping a press release? And now the people like me are hate tweeting them? Nothing. And because she's a class act, because she's a class act, divine joy is not saying a single thing. And I want to say it's because she's a class act, but I also know it's because people like her, women like her don't always have the safety and the security of a Zoe Kravitz to go up against a Hulu. Hell, let's look at Monique with Netflix. Monique, the original queen of comedy. Monique, the woman who carried that fucking show. Monique, who's had the Parkers. Monique, who is movie director, producer, comedian extraordinaire. Monique. Mo the fuck Meek. Another woman who was representation for me in my life, although I don't like dick the way that she likes dick. But Monique was someone who I looked at and was like, hmm, paving the way for me. Offered $500,000 for a Netflix special. When Amy fucking nasty ass Schumer, nasty crotch, her whole fucking career, she sat at the fucking Apollo and talked about yeast infections. Amy Schumer, millions of dollars. Wanda Sykes, $250,000. And then the same, the same people who work for Monique also work for the likes of a David Chappelle. And he's offered millions more than all of them. So now we got to talk about man, white man getting so much money, it don't even matter. You can name a white comedian. I can't because I don't really listen to him. But you can name a white comedian on the Netflix franchise and they're getting trillions then you take it down to the black men also making trillions then you take it down to not even fucking funny white women amy schumer is as funny as a yeast infection she is as funny as gonorrhea she is as funny as the 2020 election right now because trump that's how funny amy schumer is and you mean to tell me mo fucking meek monique who was the female version of, of fucking Bernie Mac on the Kings of Comedy. Monique carried it. Monique packs house. Monique, 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 you say what the fuck you want. Oscar award winning Monique. Monique. Only worth $500,000. That means you tell me exactly what you think about the black woman, the black fat woman, the black woman comedian. So with Devon, who's just starting her career or just getting to a place of notoriety, she can't even be outraged because there's no one to navigate that space or to show her what it looks like. And I will say maybe she's so blessed and so, so sure of herself that one door closes, another one opens. I'm not saying this from a place of scarcity. I'm speaking on her behalf because she doesn't have to speak. She can have 75 million reasons why she's not speaking. For all I know, Hulu's already working on a spinoff and I'm an asshole. And then in two months, I'll be like, my bad. But for the time being, as someone who she represented, it's fucked up. It's fucked up and it's not okay. And Hulu, you just told me that black lives don't matter and that black rep representation doesn't matter. You, that's what you told me. And that's why I got to take it back to Rami because also another great show, fucking amazing show, has about three or four seasons. Rami is great. I, rep I, I am not an Indian Muslim man. I am none of those things. But Rami, I get it. 
because I can see outside of myself and still enjoy content, right? Because all I've had to do is enjoy content that was not mine. So I have to connect to it because if I wait for the likes of fucking Hulu to give me a show that represents me, I will be waiting forever because they just canceled it. They just fucking canceled it. It's I'm irate. I'm irate about it. And it's not just Hulu. It's everywhere I turn. It's every fucking where I turn. But let's talk about Rami, shall we? Rami's a fuck up. Some Indian guy who is Americanized as fuck and, and is teetering between Indian culture family. I could begin his ethnicity one, but I don't give a fuck. I apologize. Rami. Whatever his culture is, he's struggling between that and the American truths of the way he grew up. Rami. And it's funny. It's witty. He has friends. It's great. It's great. It's great. But at the time where I'm falling in love with High Fidelity and Rob and Sharice and Simon and whoever else was going to make their way to the show. I'm also watching the newest season of Romney and he is fucking up royally every chance he gets. He's a fuck up. But the fuck up that I can't quite unsee, the fuck up that just resonates so... Ooh, Romney. He falls in like with a beautiful... Beautiful, dark-skinned, black, Muslim woman. He's trying to find religion, so, you know, he's fucked up so much now. He's back trying to do the church thing or whatever, the mosque thing. And uh, he's got an imam, I want to say, is what the, the person's name was, the famous black actor. But this is not about Rami because high fidelity and Sharice. But anyway, super long story short. He courts this woman who is, because she's religious and her father is an imam minister equivalent in uh, their culture, she's a virgin. And she's like, bitch, marriage, we're going to wait till marriage. Now, Rami's been sucking and fucking everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. He's just fucked everything. So much so that he gave his quadriplegic friend a hand job because... His dick was hurting, and, and that's what friends do. Uh, that doesn't sound like something we should cancel. No, let's let's keep it going. Let's keep it going because Rami. Um, so, yeah, he does all the things. You see him fall in love, and like they're they're talking via FaceTime because she's religious and don't get too close. And you see how uncomfortable it is for their black family to try to get to know his Indian family to make this marriage work. But of course, it works. But something else teeters in the back of that. Do, 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 Rami has a full-blown relationship with his female cousin. This nigga is a cousin fucker, which I am sure I'm going to talk about all of that shit later when we get into trauma. I'm sure I'm going to talk about that later. But for the sake of this, Rami's fucking his cousin, right? On Hulu. Hulu, where you can't be a successful black woman lead, but you can be an Indian man who fucks his cousin, right? Okay, sign me up. Hulu, love it. Subscription. And so it appears like, oh, they fucked. It's odd. It's when he went to Mecca or whatever the fuck he was doing. Fucked his cousin. Came back. So you fast forward to now it's the wedding weekend, right? Oh my God, Rami's going to marry this beautiful black woman. His life is not shit. He's going to turn it around. Oh my God. And this beautiful black woman might get a, another season because if you're his wife, they can't just get rid of you, right? <laughs> Wrong. So the cousin that he fucked in wherever the fuck he went for his pilgrimage, I really believe it was Mecca. I'm the map is not, I'm ignorant, so I don't. I don't want this to come back later like it did with Kevin Hart saying gay shit. He goes there, fucks his cousin, comes home, falls in love with the black woman, and now it's the wedding weekend, and that cousin who he fucked does what? She comes to the wedding. She comes for the wedding weekend. Okay. Hmm. I'll, I'll bite. Rami, the night before the wedding, meets up with said cousin. They confess their oddly cousiny love for each other, and they fuck again. Two times for the cousin fuckers here. And what does Rami do after that? He goes through with the entire fucking wedding. Doesn't say a thing. Probably shouldn't say a thing if he's smart, but you know what he does do? He marries a beautiful black Muslim woman. Beautiful. 
so beautiful that I follow her on Instagram and stalk her. Beautiful. And in the bed where she loses her virginity to the likes of Rami, the cousin fucker, he says to her, hey, babe, you know, in our culture, it's not so weird when you fuck your cousin. And also, it's also not weird if you're sister wife. So I don't know how you feel about it, but I think I can support you both. And I would love if you would allow me to continue to fuck you like I just took your virginity. You just got this mediocre dick for the first time. But I would also like to fuck and marry my cousin and I want you to be her wife. Spoiler alert. Uh, they go to sleep after that awkward conversation. He wakes up. She is gone. The mom is there. You will never see her again. So there goes that black woman's chance at uh, a second season, maybe. Who knows? He might try to get her again, but doubtful. And culturally, even though this is all fictitious, you just ruined her because she did the right thing of waiting to marriage. She just happened to marry a cousin fucker, which I'm I'm not judging anybody who fucks whomever they fuck because, like I said, I do have a cousin fucking story, which I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're ready for it. But... I say all that to say that that is the kind of show that Hulu will give seven seasons to. Huh. And I don't want to put show against show. I don't even want to put color against color because like I, I kind of ripped Robin a new one for being mediocre at best, but still being the headliner. But in my life, mediocre people are always the headliner. And us dynamic others. It's always the dynamic other that is just overlooked. And I am fucking tired of it. I am tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. But it does not help my insecurity because like the last tweet I said, I think, let's see, the last tweet I said about this was, uh, well, that's literally not what I said. I said, this is an attack on showing that Black Lives Matter in media. Finally, a plus-size, darker-skinned, dominant woman gets a chance to lead and have a set of five love interests while nearly, while two nearly white and white castmates take a back seat for once. It was conveniently canceled. Hulu, whatever the reason, financial, ratings, XYZ, I just want you all to know that it was bigger than that. You all in these executive positions play a big role in shaping the narrative around what's acceptable, what's, what's allowed, and what access looks like. And it's just unfair. And it's dangerous. And I'm not even asking for a, a, a diversity hire hand-me-down. Because on top of all of what I just said, the show is actually good. I could see if it was a shit show. I watch shit shows on Hulu, like I said, and they get 12 seasons. So it's not about it being a shit show. And even if it's about ratings, the marketing behind said show was so lackluster. How could it have been a success if you weren't doing the work to make it one? And then people like me at home who work in a place where my blackness, my otherness, my queerness, my fatness always comes into play and I have to be the fucking soft shoe and jigaboo mammy just to stay in a job that doesn't deserve me on top of having to come to work every fucking day and smile in idiots faces who are white or nearly white and suck they fucking suck at their jobs they're fucking terrible could not be worse they fucking suck I'm the best to do the thing that I do but I have to downplay it for the Robs in my life, for the Robins in my life. And then I get to sit at home and look at social media and see a black man walk away from a heated incident that had nothing to do with him and get shot seven times in the back and is now paralyzed. I get to protest in New York City where it's seemingly safe, but I also get to watch how people who protested the black man who got shot seven times and is now paralyzed, who did not die, thank God, did not die, 
people who peacefully protest, I get to watch a 17-year-old white boy shoot and kill protesters because he's protecting businesses in a city that's not his. This nigga drove from his home with an AK-47 at 17 and shot, and shot somebody in the fucking head under the guise of protecting businesses. Not his dad's business, not his granddad's business, not none of his business. Then I get to watch him still with a loaded gun yelling to the cops, I got three. While with the hand on the gun, he was not subdued. He was not arrested. He was not put in handcuffs. He was able to make it all the way back to his car to drive all the way back to his city to go and then turn himself in. And then have people with national platforms say, I want him as my president. He's a hero. And then, and then I go home to just turn it all off. I just want to turn it off, God. Please, I'm tired. My brain, I can't handle no more. I don't want no more of it. I just want to watch a show. A show where maybe a black person wins one time. A show where you start off soft shoeing. You start off, because that's what I was taught. And now I'm mad, I was taught. You just do your job, you just stay quiet, you just soft shoe, and one day they'll notice you. One day it'll be your time. It's just like with, with religion. Oh, struggle like fuck here on earth and then make it to heaven. I want heaven now, goddammit. I'm tired. So I come home and I'm just looking to see myself win on a show. Can I see representation where I'm not a crack baby? I'm not the loud, ignorant, fat, ghetto, will fucking suck and do anything person. I'm a person who went to college. I'm educated. I'm funny. I still want to be a cultural conservative, a conservationist. I'm working on it. It's a new title. I'm trying to get myself. I, I, I'm a cultural conser conservationist. Con conservationist? I'm, I am just someone who wants to hold on to culture and share it. I don't got to be a hood bitch to wear hood bitch clothes. I can have an intellectual conversation about, oh, I don't know, Michael Jackson potentially touching little children and how we should really unpack that more. Or I can, oh, I don't know, want to be in a band that isn't rap. Or, oh, I don't know, I'm actually classically trained and can actually sing and actually enjoy Carly Simon as much as I enjoy Cardi B. I just want to see me somewhere outside of me. How many of us are sitting at home being Sharice's in our lives? How many of us? How many of us are just, just, oh, I feel like I'm an anomaly. I feel like I'm the only me. And then Hulu gave me a sprinkle. And then they promised, they, 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 they falsely prepared me to think that I would finally get to see somebody else live this life. And they canceled the show. It's bigger than the show. Representation has always mattered. But right now, all I know is all the society and TV and media is telling me is no matter how good you are in your black and brown body, no matter how good you are, no matter how educated you are, no matter how witty, how funny, how talented you are, Two things are going to happen. You're always going to play second fiddle to somebody who's less than. And you're going to do everything you can to just make it. And you know what? You still might die. You still might get shot. And you won't matter in death. You don't matter in life. You just don't matter. Now that's high fidelity. <laughs> oh, 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 man. Uh, watch the show. Watch it. I think it's. I think it's amazing. I think the soundtrack. I think the music. I think. I think everything about it is just perfect. You get one season, and then you'll get hurt feelings like me. Um, I always try to end it because I was told don't end it so heavy. So I'm going to end it with. What's one show that truly represents you? Or if you, if you could have a show to represent you, what would it look like? What would it look like?
What would your show look like? Who would be the cast? Um, for me, I say it all the time. It's the same thing as this podcast cover art. I would just like a show that is living single, that is insecure, but is queer and not queer as an afterthought, not queer as the only thought, just an honest depiction of what it's like to be a queer person who being queer is not their everything. Like, yes, I'm gay. Like, guys, we're on episode nine, and I still haven't told you my coming out story. I still haven't told you all the shit I'm confused about, about being queer. You know nothing about my queer life because I'm so much more than that. But when you get on TV and you're the queer person, when you're, oh, I don't know, Lena Waithe and Master Nun, you're the episode that is the only episode that matters, is so heavily engulfed in your queerness that we don't know anything else about you. I don't want to just be one of my identities. I want to show that's all of them. And I want to show that's them in a respectful way, but not them as the only thing to see, right? Like, I don't want you to just know the Chloe Beck story as who's Chloe's fucking or how she oddly fucks or how she don't really, really want to fuck. It's fine. It's another, another story. But I just want a group of friends and it not be, oh, we used to fuck or, oh, we don't, uh, we, we beef. Like, I don't want to be the only queer person in the story, but I also don't want it to just be so... That's one part of the, the culture that I do not want to conserve. I don't want to I don't want to share this urban experience for what black lesbianism looks like. Like I am not New York Girls TV as much as I watched it because that was the closest I could get to understanding New York queer. But I just want a space where all those things matter, but none of them supersede the fact that I'm just mentally unwell some days. And some days I'm just unsure about what to eat for dinner or I want to have a slapstick show like friends where there really isn't a whole lot of storyline besides Ross and Rachel like the outside of Ross and Rachel tell me what friends is actually about I want to show where the show's about nothing and it's still successful because that show about nothing will be everything to me and I'm sure it'll be everything for the people who watch uh I gotta get the fuck out of here because I'm literally recording this on a work day at work time and I actually have to be somewhere for work soon But as always, thank you for my listeners. I think I'm up to 200 downloads, which is huge to me. I actually had an amazing follower reach out to me and find me via social meds. And like she found one of my obscure pages. So she's a real one. Uh, I told her I would shout her out on this episode. So let me go back and make sure I get everything correct. Erica, you fucking rock. I'm so thankful that you found me. Uh, Erica reached out to me August 19th via my weight loss Instagram and like, Boop, boop, boop. She loves me on Spotify. I'm going to read it. Hey, I randomly stumbled across your podcast on Spotify and I love it. I love how transparent you have been from the beginning and I'm looking forward to listening to more. Sorry I had to do an investigating to find your personal page. Please find me. Please communicate with me. Erica, can you do me a huge favor and write that on uh, uh, iTunes? Because that type of review is what's going to get me to my season two. Because right now, I am literally Sharice. I am literally Sharice as I record this. And I almost said, you know what, fuck it again. Just fuck it. I, what, what the fuck? But it starts with a whisper. Erica, you whispered to me to keep going. So I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm glad I have you as a listener. I follow you back. I mean, we're cool now. We're like bros. Um, Erica, what's your show? Tell us what your show is. Somebody, also, don't forget, you all can email me at Insequeer. I don't even know the email address. Let me look at it because I don't want to lie. Insecure the podcast at gmail.com. Also, please rate, subscribe, share it out. Uh, we're one more episode. We're one episode away from me being able to social media blast this and then being done with season one. And unlike Hulu, I get to control season two. So you better believe it's coming. It's coming. I'm so excited. I can't believe I've stuck to it. I can't believe I'm doing the thing. I can't I can't even believe that I did not break my no social media rule because I think this content is amazing. Good thing I'm not talking about time specific things outside of black lives because nigga, that is omnipresent. So that'll be the story from 1908 to 1928 to 2078 because clearly somebody don't get it. Um, but thank you guys for listening. And thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Zoe Kravitz and uh, Divine Joy Randolph and the entire cast of High Fidelity. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because it was so good. It was so good. And you guys got cheated.
you guys got cheated, you got cheated, you got cheated. And I hope there's a way one day that if I, when I, when I get to the table, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. If someone doesn't pick it up, if, if Hulu doesn't come to their senses, high fidelity is not done because the writing, the scoring, the cast, the backdrop, brilliant, 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 brilliant. And the breakout star, Divine Joy Randolph, thank you for showing me myself. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I cannot wait to see what comes next. I'm out of here, y'all. Bye. Shattered dreams, worthless years. Here am I encased inside a hollow shell. Life began, then was done. Now I stare into a cold and empty The many sounds that meet our ears, the sights our eyes behold, will open up our merging hearts and feed our empty souls. Without despair, we will share And our joys of caring will not be replaced What has been must never end And with the strength we have won't be When the truths of love are planted firm, they won't be hard to find. And the words of love I speak to you will echo in my mind. <laughs>